The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome once again to a Came From the Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. We have none other than uh, Pronto Comics' very own, our very own, Pronto Comics' very own, Dominic Definition Man Serrano. Well, it's good to be the only one here. <laughs> I'm here. I know, but, you know, like, I thought we're a gang. Like, what's going on? You're a gang of one this week. Apparently. I'm an army of one. I'm a gang of one. So on this week's show, we're going to have another Jaybird and uh, Lee segment, and we're going to have our very own student correspondent, Charles Saldino, and uh, the Life of Genergy's Jen- Jenny Feldy will have some interviews from the Be Legendary convention. We have all that set up. Before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's Morphin Time! I got a piece of news for you. Jen should sue J-Lo. <laughs> that is completely out of text uh, uh, comment. <laughs> so people will have to uh, Google that to find out what the hell you're talking about. I don't even know if it's, if it's up yet that they could even find out. Oh, it's the <laughs> like, internet. They will know. I don't know. But anyway, like for those who are listening, this is something that Mark and I just discussed off air. Um, right. And maybe we'll come up in the future. Yes. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of. So we're over 25 years of complex and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention, which is the Big Apple Silver Anniversary Expo, which will be on the 25th and 26th of September. And uh, tickets are on sale now. And as far as I know, the headliners are uh, Jimmy Pamiati and Amanda Connor. More guests to be announced as we get closer. Also, our show is brought to you in part, the news is brought to you in part by your fine folks at the sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. And I want to give out a shout out to our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, Watering Director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, News, Day Famous Shows and Media, Onji Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, and Yasmin Ray. You guys want to have your own little shout out? Go to www.patreon.com, look up the came from indie search bar, and just for a dollar a month, you can get a shout out on our show. So let's see, as we always start off with the sad news. First of all, the sad news is that you just went Unjikun. <laughs> I didn't go Unjikun. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, that was a very un Unjikun. Unjikunish way to say his name. Yeah. Okay. Well, Continue on with the sad news, my friend. Yes. Um, once again, as, as, I, as, as, as has happened many times, whenever I do the news, I'm like, oh, Charlie will like this guy. Or, oh, Jen will like this, this story. Or, oh, Dominic will like. And then people, don't, people aren't here when I do the sad news. So actor Michael Nader died recently, just 10 days after being diagnosed with an untreatable form of cancer. Uh, Michael was perhaps best known for his role of Dex Dexter in 152 episodes of the ABC primetime soap Dynasty, which ran from 1983 to 1989. 
as well as for 447 episodes of the ABC daytime soap, All My Children, which ran from 1991 to 2001, as well as the 2013 continuation series on the online network. That was the name of the network, the online network. Um, <laughs> I, I personally remember him as the main bad guy who killed the original Flash's, Flash's brother in the 90s series, The Flash, starring John Wesley Shipp. That's where I knew him from. Um, I know you said you were a, a soap star, but uh, I don't think All My Children was your thing, right? Well, I was never a soap star. A soap, a soap fan. <laughs> if I was a soap star, a lot of my money problems would not <laughs> exist, I'm sure. I hope. Uh, no, I was always more of a CBS, not an ABC or NBC guy. My okay. mother was into CBS watching um, Guiding Light, Young and the Restless, and Bold and Beautiful, and As the World Turns. So okay. those are the ones that I know. However, I'm just looking at this gentleman, and like, if there was ever one, anyone who looked like a soap star, star actor, is him. This gentleman <laughs> looks like a soap opera actor. I mean, like, Jesus. Did you ever see the original Flash 90 series? I did uh, a little bit. I did watch it when I was a kid. Yeah. So he was the main, the first episode pilot bad guy who killed. Was he Batman. really? He was the wow. main bad guy in the first that made the Flash the Flash, and he beat him. That was him. That's why I just remember that. I remember that name. I was like, man, that name sounds familiar because I've seen that episode a bazillion times. I'm like, oh, was that guy? And of course, I've seen a correspondent Charlie Saladino worked at ABC during that time. So, once again, great job, Charlie. Uh, he was a uh, young seventy-six years old. You can always trust Charlie. Yes. Not to show up. <laughs> well, he probably had a senior correspondent moment. Um, it happens. And we have our final bit of sad news, which also I would like uh, a senior correspondent to you know, be here to, to talk about it. Um, award-winning legendary actor Ed Asner also died recently of natural causes. Uh, to put it bluntly, Ed was in everything, ranging from mm. dramas to comedies and even animation, with a career spanning from 1957 all the way to 2022. Yes, 2022, as he still has movies that are currently in production. Hopefully they finished his parts. Uh, well, he did, uh, he did like voice, uh, he did voice acting. So he, did, mm. he recorded his voice a while ago and they're still animating. But uh, he was in everything. Like, I, I, I remember him. I believe he was in uh, Up. He was the, the old cratchy guy in Up. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, so- that was the character <laughs> he played for the past 30 to 40 years. <laughs> yes. The old cratchy guy. <laughs> Uh, he was in Lou Grant, um, Mary Tyler Moore show. That was like the big ones. But I, I personally, he, he got on my radar in Freakazoid, the, the cartoon on the WB. He played a uh, Cosgrove and he always had like the best one liners in the show. <laughs> it was just so he was just so over the top and his just grumpy voice. And he looked like the character. Um, well, did he look like the character? Did they make the character look like him? Yes, that's what I meant to say. Uh, you know, like, like, I, I believe the character was drawn as inspiration right. from Ed Asner. Well, just like the act, the character he played in oh, Up. Yes, same same thing. The yes. only one who doesn't quite look like him, well, it was basically J. Jonah Jameson. Right, he he did play that. Yes, that's right. He played. Uh, he did a lot. Like he played J. Jonah Jameson, as you said, he was in Freakazoid. And he was also, well, this is the one that kind of disturbed me slightly. He played Granny Goodness in the Justice League. <laughs> he, he did like, and he's like doing like this slightly higher pitched, trying <laughs> to sound a feminine voice. And I remember watching Justice League and going like, that's it, Asner. What? Oh, why? <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, he was even he was recently in uh, Cobra Kai. Yes, yes. Like I said, he was in everything. He was in everything. It was great. <laughs> um, so he was a, a young, super spry, ninety-one years old. Yeah, like when you when you die at ninety-one, it basically it's natural causes of just being ninety-one. I've I've said this many a times, and I, and, I, and every time the natural causes reason comes up, I'm always, always, always reminded of an Anthony Perkins uh, horror comedy TV series that he did. Uh, it, it never made it past the pilot, but they aired it on Fox, and he played like a like a motel uh, uh, runner of like a horror wacky type thing, and the line was. Oh, how did this person die? He goes, oh, he died of natural causes. They fell down the stairs and they broke their neck. And they said, how was that natural causes? And they said, well, if you fall down the stairs and break your neck, naturally you die. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. I just thought that was, that I has think, stuck with me for 30 years. <laughs> I got to tell you, I think at this point, um, Betty White gets one more year of life. Yeah, she just slowly. She just, she's she's the Highlander. She, she's, she's the Highlander. There's either, yeah. There can be only one. It's either her or or Keith Richards gets to live another year. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so that's it for the sad news. So moving on to the not as sad news. I think one of the biggest things is when she outlived Abe Vigoda. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember when I thought he was dead and then he wasn't dead. <laughs> no, and so they had a website. Is Abe Abe Vigoda alive? And it was, there was nothing to the website other than Ava Goda still alive until he died. And then they put X's over his eyes like Ava Goda is no longer alive. This, this is for you kids uh, when the internet was first starting out. That's what we had. Yep. Um, so moving on to another sad news. From the Who Needs Comic Con department. Due to the ongoing pandemic, many conventions have been canceled or moved to virtual events. I have wow. to pause you just for a minute. I went to Is Abe Vigoda Dead? And the, all the, the website does is yes, for the <laughs> period. It just lives, lives <laughs> his, his birth date and death date. That's it. Just yes, he's dead. There you go. So I'm oh. sorry. Please continue, sir. Due to the ongoing uh, pandemic, many conventions have been canceled and or moved to virtual events. Uh, while for some, this has been a massive financial loss, Warner Brothers, and more specifically DC, has had great success with the launch of its DC Fandom, which we reported on last year that consisted of multiple 24-hour live streaming content, which included panels, interactive kid events, and even free movies. I remember I saw a movie on that. I was like, hey, this movie is free. I will watch this. <laughs> um, You'll watch anything that's free. Uh uh, Close, almost yeah. anything, almost. Uh, so this year, DC Fandom is back and will happen again on Saturday, October 16th, beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Executives say DC Fandom 2020 was a first-of-its-kind global virtual fan experience and showcased every aspect of the DC universe with unprecedented scale and access. This year, we're taking everything that people loved about DC fandom and supercharging it to the serve this to super serve fans with even more exclusive first looks, breaking news, in depth interviews, and insight from the stars and creative teams of their favorite DC content. Uh, the main DC fandom 2021 experience will also be available to stream on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, fans can already register for free at www.dcfandom.com to get news directly sent to them 
and also gain access to members-only exclusives. Uh, leading up to the DC fandom, we'll also see DC releasing on its digital service, um, DC Universe Infinite, more than 300 comics, graphic novels available to read for free with registration. So they're giving away tons of stuff for free. Mm. And apparently, like I said, it was hugely successful, hugely popular. Got all the buzz going for all the DC, Warner Brothers stuff. And they're doing it again. Might as well. I keep thinking you're saying it wrong, though. I think it's supposed to be DC Fan Dome. I said DC Fandom. I, I, when, you, I, when you're reading through, you're just going like to fandom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fandom. Yes, sir. it's Fandom. It's a dome. Did you participate fans. in the Fandom of last year? No. So I did. And as a non-tech guy, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I couldn't figure it out. But I managed to see a free, uh, a free movie. So yay yeah, for well, me. Yeah. There you go. You see a free movie. Like, and, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I don't understand virtual events. I mean, I get what they are, but like they don't, I don't understand them in terms of being like finding appeal in them for me. Like if I'm not there in actuality, then I don't, I just don't like, to me, it's just not the same. I don't, I don't care, you know, what amazing stuff you put out. I might as well just like look it up on my computer at my convenience. Right. Rather than being forced to sit in front of my computer for whatever reason. So it's funny that you mentioned that because if you think about it, this really is an old school TV event for the modern age. You have to watch it at the time that we put it on and everybody has to see it to make it a big deal. And that has since changed with the streaming services and everything. You watch whatever you want, whenever the hell you want. And regular, normal nine to five of five to nine TV is not the same anymore. So now they're doing it online in this way to force you once again to go and watch all this stuff. It's weird how that happens. It's a little circle of life right here. A little bit. I mean, but even though they're like forcing you, whatever they come up, come out with during the fandom within a day will be on YouTube. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be out once it's out there, it's out there. Right. So even though they're still trying to make you sit there to watch it, like, well, there's really, for me, I feel no rush. Well, the internet, everybody has to be first. Like, you don't know how hard is it for me to stay away from anything about the Spider-Man movie. Like, just by doing the news, I see stuff like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to. And then everybody's talking about it. I'm like, dude, just give it a break. Let it, let it rest for 24 hours. Nope. So, yeah. Ain't no rest <laughs> for the wicked. So moving on. From the let the lawsuits commence department. paramount has sued its insurer for refusing to cover the vast majority of its losses due to the pandemic related shutdowns of mission impossible uh, part seven according to a lawsuit despite the production being delayed seven times between february 2020 and june 2021 the studio's insurer said it will pay only only one million dollars for COVID losses under its quote-unquote civil authority policy. For those of you who don't know, or care for that matter, Paramount had a quote-unquote cast insurance policy for the production with a $100 million coverage limit. The insurance is intended to cover losses that result when a film's key personnel is quote, unavailable due to sickness, death, or kidnapping. Paramount says... Sickness is right in there. Yes, sickness, death, or kidnapping. Uh, Paramount says that because the shutdowns were intended to protect the cast from getting sick, 
uh, from the ongoing pandemic, it should be covered. The insurance company says, however, that the shutdowns are covered only under the studio civil authority policy, which covers costs that are a result of government mandated shutdowns. And that policy carries only a $1 million limit. So basically, they're saying because nobody got sick, we don't have to pay you. Right. But they're saying we prevented them from getting sick, so you should pay us. Right. So basically, the insurance's argument is like, no, if everyone got sick on the production, then we pay out. But since no one did, yes. we don't have to pay you. Because honestly, insurance is not in the business <laughs> of, of actually of giving you money and protecting <laughs> you. They're in the business of taking your money <laughs> and then figuring out ways to keep it. Yes. Uh, you know, like there's a not to get too uh political out there, but there's always this ongoing argument about healthcare, universal healthcare, affordability of healthcare. And I have always maintained, if we really wanted to fix the healthcare system, we just get rid of the insurance, insurance healthcare insurance, and go straight back to a pay-for service system. And let yeah. doctors and let doctors pay, you know, get paid directly. The moment that we start having large insurance companies is when the costs start ballooning. I remember this joke once again with the jokes from the nineties. Um, it was insurance is like going to a, a burger joint and paying for the burger and never getting it. <laughs> Basically, yes, you know, like I, I have like financial advisors in my life, and they're telling me how I should. You know, I'm, I should go and get uh, health insurance, not health insurance, um, life insurance and everything. And I just remember from my parents how screwed they got over uh, with life insurance. And in my mind, I'm like, no, maybe I'll get some to, for burial costs. But no, I'm not pumping. Like my father had a policy that if he didn't die by the age of 80, he would have lost all the money he had put into the policy. He's 82. Yeah, he won. <laughs> <laughs> did, did he? I mean, we had to make a bunch of moves to save whatever money was still left in that policy so he could use it. So insurance in general is just it's just a horrible. I mean, like there's a reason the show's hosting cast do not necessarily think like this. You know, <laughs> hopefully, whatever, like wherever this is coming out, they were taking like like advertising money from insurance. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like it, it's just there's a reason why like people use the term insurance salesman as a put down. Yes. You know, there's a reason. So moving on from trying to sell you flood insurance in the desert, you know, from the yo don't department in a recent interview, legendary puppeteer Frank Oz had announced that Disney who acquired the rights to the Muppets in 2004 and Warner Media, who has a deal with um, Sesame Street, has been forced into retirement by the current powers that control the Muppets and Sesame Street. Frank says, "I can do. I can do an Elmo. I don't think I can do a Yoda. Um, I can do a Yoda. Well, you can't. You don't have the text in front of you. <laughs> well, whose fault is that? That's Charlie's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is. I love to do the Muppets again." But Disney doesn't want me. And Sesame Street hasn't asked me for 10 years. They don't want me because I won't follow orders and I won't do the kind of Muppets they believe in. The soul is not there. The soul is what makes things grow and be funny. But I miss them and love them. 
the Disney deal is probably what killed Jim, meaning Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets. Uh, it made him sick. Michael Eisner, which was the guy in charge of Disney at the time, was trying to get Sesame Street 2, which Jim wouldn't allow. But Jim was not a dealer. He was an artist, and it was destroying him. It really was. There's an inability for corporate America to not understand the value of something they bought. They never understood it. With us, it's not just about the puppets. It's about the performers who love each other and have worked together for many years. They're in a difficult situation. They're doing their best, the performers, and they're really trying to be true to the characters. And they actually are. Because they're not inside me, they don't know the soul as much. I don't think the answer is to do something new. I think the answer is to go back to be true and who they are. Nothing to do except to dig deeper into their purity and innocence. And that is what speaks to the audience. Nothing? <laughs> Well, because normally you say, so Dominic, what do you think? I was waiting and you like just let wow. it. Plus, I actually think letting it sit there for a moment gave those words more credence. Um, first of all, I'm not quite sure what Frank Oz is meaning about how the Disney deal killed Jim Henson as Jim Henson died in 1990 and the Disney acquired them in 2004. But they were trying to buy it. Oh, they've been trying to buy it. So the stress of it. Yes, they were trying to buy it. From I understand. Years. Yes, I, I get it. Yeah, because like all things children, Disney owns mostly. They they're getting um, there. They're getting there. It's interesting how much they own of your childhood, in a certain way, because even by osmosis now. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting how they they own so much, because you don't even think about how they own the Muppets because they own so many other things. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, there's that um, that video of Mickey Mouse as Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, just like putting new companies. It's got Fox and it's got um, Lucasfilm and all the, you know, do they own Sony yet? Do they buy Sony? Not yet. They're they're getting there. They're They're going they're going to buy like and they're just buying things up and you don't even see in that like the Muppets anymore. Yeah. Like you don't even think about how they they own the Muppets. Um, it's it's kind of it is slightly disturbing. I'm waiting for them to buy Warner Brothers. Their their competition, the DC's gonna buy uh, Marvel's gonna buy DC. That would be interesting. I would not be surprised if they, you know, tell me you would like not you, but others wouldn't like freak out to see Superman and Captain America on the screen. Oh yeah, I mean it's together. something that be that people would love to see, but it's a matter of. How much money are they going to shell out and how much of a guarantee? Because DC movies, eh, they make, you know, and, and on paper, they've been losing money. That's true. Um, While Disney, uh, Marvel is making Marvel's uh, just money like printing its own currency. Fit. Yes, yeah. they really are. They have their own Disney dollars now. I don't know who has more money, Disney or Apple. Apple's got their own bank that has like a billion dollars in it just because. Apple Bank, yeah. So um, speaking of, of money, which which is a, a good segue, well, from the yes, you got money, something? money, 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 money. From the that's that, a lot of that nuts. Was Ted DiBiase, kids, for those who don't know, the million dollar man. From yes. the that's a lot of nuts department. That's a lot of nuts. The new horror film Candyman has taken the number one spot, pulling in twenty two million dollars in the domestic box office. For those keeping track, Black Widow 
is still, that's Disney right there, is still the highest grossing film of 2021. We're nine months in, folks. That's the highest grossing film with $181.4 million, followed closely by Fast and the Furious Part 9 at number two with $172.7 million. Of note, Candyman is only available to see legally in theaters, while Black Widow is available to be seen on Disney Plus for an additional fee on top of whatever you're paying for the service. Keep in mind that these numbers do not reflect the revenue made by the streaming service. So Black Widow probably made way more than $200 uh-huh. million. <laughs> and that's pure profit, pure profit for them, uh-huh. whatever that streaming service is making. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, the whole thing is, yeah. And that's why Scarlett Johansson suing. That's, yeah, that's that's it right there. It's essentially it. It's like you're saying we only made this much, but I know you made more, and you're not honoring my deal. Like I should be getting that money. I don't know. It's it's it is interesting though that still Black Widow is ahead with what 200 million box office. Uh, it's 181.4 million right now. That's a uh, 10 million dollars ahead of Fast and Furious. Yeah. And Fast and Furious yeah. came out before. Uh, Black Widow. So in a shorter amount of time, it made that money. And, and they've said that uh, they blame pirates for that, mo- for that movie not making more money. And they also blame um, that it's the, one of the lowest Marvel movies at $181 million. <laughs> $181 million during a pandemic. You know, plus, what, as you said, whatever it made. I still haven't seen it because like, I'm, I'm waiting for it to not be on premium. Right. I'm not paying the. You've given money. Disney en- enough of your money. You're not giving them any. They get their seven ninety nine <laughs> a month from me, <laughs> as it is, and I am not complaining because, like, I will say, like, they ca- at first when I got Disney Plus, I felt they were a little slow rolling out the new content. Right. Um. They were they were which, cashing in on nostalgia. They were cashing then... in on what they already had because basically people were were buying it to keep the kids entertained, which I right. get it because pandemic these kids are driving me nuts please watch some watch mickey mouse (laughs) which which makes sense um but they were kind of slow and like then the mandalorian came out i'm like okay and what i mean by slow is like the mandalorian came out but then there was nothing following the mandalorian right right it was like all right here's the mandalorian and then silence in terms of like new content from star wars or marvel or anything like that now they finally like have gotten up to speed and of course there's also the pandemic to why they probably weren't producing as fast as you think they should. So now it's like every week there's at least something new to watch right. on Disney that is not kid kid exclusive, I'll put it. Okay, fair enough. You know, like it's not definitely perfectly designed for kids. So there's Marvel's What If. There's whatever's coming out of Marvel on any given week, Marvel's What If right now, which this past episode was quite good. Surprisingly um, good. Yeah, it was it was really good. I don't want to ruin, but it's with Doctor Strange, and it's it's a very good, interesting take on it. I thought the third episode was a little meh, but the fourth episode, the first, second, and fourth episodes are really good. Um, and I'm looking forward to all the things that are beco- going to be coming out from Star Wars soon. Right. So now it's like okay, so I feel I'm getting my money's worth for the seven ninety nine, but I am not giving them an extra twenty dollars. That's three months. That's three months of a service for one movie. For one movie, and like you could say, like, well, you'd end up spending that much going to um, see it in theaters, and like, yes, I probably would, but that just doesn't mean I still have to give them that money, 
Right. You can get like the a, money a, a to nev- the theater. <laughs> yeah. A nev- I'd rather give it to the theater. I'd rather give it to the theater, honestly. Um, and as much as people are, comp- you know, people have mixed emotions about what Warner Brothers HBO Max is doing, I appreciate it. Like you pay for HBO Max, you get whatever, everything that comes out from Warner Brothers. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm liking that much more. That being said, inevitably, probably after Shang Chi comes out, they're gonna, they're gonna. I'm gonna guess that they'll probably stop having, or shortly after, probably not have uh, Black Widow on premiere anymore. Well, the well, they are promoting stuff that's gonna be exclusively in theaters, and things are that that window. Like I think the uh, to buy it to keep it now is it's it's coming around already for Black Widow. It's already having really fast. Mm. Um, so let's see. moving on. From the department, <laughs> as reported on a recent show, Jeopardy executive producer turned host Mike Richard had been removed from hosting a game show after just 11 days due to internet backlash from things he said on a podcast seven years ago. At the time, Sony had kept him on as executive producer. However, now, Sony has announced that Mike has been replaced and is no longer associated with the show at all. Executive says, we had hoped that when Mike stepped down from the host of the position at Jeopardy, it would have minimized the disruption and internal difficulties we've all experienced these last few weeks. Clearly, that has not happened. <laughs> so, so, he's out. <laughs> he's out. The thing that I... I don't know what he said, but I know it was something stupid. And I don't mean stupid like what he said was stupid. It's like it's stupid that it's coming up seven years later. Um, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it. What I think, from what I see from people that are online that I know, they're not really upset over what he said. They're upset that, like, you know, they wanted, say, LeVar Burton. That was, that's been the big thing on the internet, that they want LeVar Burton to do it. And that they went through this whole rigmarole of having, like, these guest hosts coming in. And then, oh, you're just going to give it to the executive producer. Well, he gave it to himself. <laughs> was, exactly. That it's was like, the thing. Oh. So it, it, they, people, I think, really are more upset at this whole idea, like, then why, why not just do it immediately? Why not just, you know, walk in and do it immediately? Just take the job for yourself. So this is the internet's uh, sneaky way of getting revenge. That they I had to so. dig through and find stuff. Because uh, as it is, it ain't, it ain't that hard to find stuff that people say. No. Uh, years ago. I'm sure I've said some stupid stuff. I say stupid stuff all the time now. <laughs> I, say, I say stupid stuff constantly. So it's, it is very possible that that's what happened. And they were like, ooh, look what we found. And off he gets fired. <laughs> so had he had not, had he had not put himself to be the host, I think he still would have a job right now. Absolutely. If, I think people were more offended at him just taking the job as opposed to really considering the other candidates. Right. Quote, you know, quote, unquote candidate. And I think people really did want to see LeVar Burton. I, I now the last thing the last Ken headline, Jennings is uh, is also once again in a head in the, I in think the, Ken in the Jennings running. look if Ken Jennings makes a lot of sense too like the greatest of all time that kind of makes sense to have him be the guy who hosts as well but from what I saw most people would be happy with 
splitting it between Maya, uh, Maya and Bialik, I'm right. sorry if I'm getting her name wrong, and LeVar Burton. I think a lot of people would love to see that combination. Yeah. And if you're if you really are paying attention to the the politics and the things of the day, that's a really smart win. You have a doctorate, a female who's a doctor of neuroscience and literally a gentleman of color who has been teaching people the value of books and reading for generations. Yeah. That's a win-win. That's a PR win-win. Have the two of them split it, you know? I don't think they're going to do that. Well, it's very doable, though, because they like film like a week's worth of shows every day. Right. I just mean, I don't think that that's what Sony's plan is. Well, Sony probably <laughs> should like wake up and realize like that's the smart play. It's really simple. You have uh, Mayim come in on Monday. You have LeVar come in on Tuesday. And like you just every week and then like, boom, they just alternate. I mean, we've just had two news items about the, the company not knowing what to do with their properties that they buy. So uh, I, I just well, we won't have to worry about it because Disney will probably buy Sony next week <laughs> and figure it all out. Yes. So I'm actually shocked that Disney doesn't own Jeopardy already as it always airs on ABC and Disney owns ABC. Well, and actually, it's uh, it's syndicated on ABC. It's always been a syndicated show. That's true. Um, so let's see. For the final bit of news from the not even supposed to be here today department. <laughs> Hot off the controversy of the Masters of the Universe debacle. None other than Kevin Smith has announced that filming of Clerks 3 is underway. The film brings back Jeff Anderson as Randall Grays, Brian O'Hallahan as Dante Hicks, Rosario Dawson as Becky Scott, and of course, Kevin Smith as Silent Bob and Jason Mewes as Jay. Kevin says, I love it so much, but the problem with Clerks 2 is that it was pure artifice to a large degree. Clerks was based solely on reality. I woke up, I went to that store. Crazy people came in, kids hung out outside and sold drugs. I had a friend who works next door. All of it was very autobiographical. Autobiographical. Good job, Mark. Uh, Clerks 2 <laughs> is completely fabricated, right down to the fact that I never even worked in fast food. Um, you a Clerks fan? Clerks 2? Clerks 3? Well, I'm not a fan of Clerks 3 because I haven't seen it yet because it's not done. Well, I'm excited that it's coming out. I so am I excited. Know. I am curious. Like, when I... He makes movies, although I think it's kind of growing a little bit. But he, his big movies were really for kids in like their teens and twenties. In a lot of ways, like when you're in, when you're in your twenties, watching Kevin Smith movies are hilarious, <laughs> and they're great. And I am a big Kevin Smith fan. I've actually gotten to speak to him at uh, Comic Con. Uh, he's liked a couple of my tweets from time to time. That's at Pronto EAC on on Twitter. Um, I actually got. I'm in one of his spoken uh, words, one of his evening with Kevin Smith's Ooh. that he did. Yeah. I'm, when by in it, I mean like it, they panned the crowd and I'm there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in the crowd okay. and I actually got pointed out to me by a guy I worked with in Pronto. He's like, he was watching him one night circled me. He's like, sent it to me like, dude, I'm like, <laughs> and I knew they were, we knew they were filming. Right. Hilariously. I went with like my best friend and my best, my best friend's like, he's not going to talk for more than, a couple of hours no one spends more than two hours on stage six hours later we're driving home at four o'clock in the morning from Red really Jersey. oh wow. yeah oh yeah like we i got home and i was doing an internship in the city <laughs> i got and I, I still went in that day but man like i got home like at four o'clock in the morning woke so up like all eight. those evening with kevin smith's is um were highly edited then 
They are highly edited. Yeah. If you notice ah. like the first one, the background and his clothing keep changing. So it's a series like four or five different talks he did at different colleges and they chopped them up. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I, am, I am looking forward to Clerks 3. I saw the picture because I follow him on Instagram and I saw the picture of like the crew from Clerks 2. And, and how then, they all got old. And how they all got old. Except for Sarah Dawson. <laughs> I swear to God, she drinks the blood of children. <laughs> of course, that's made up. She really doesn't. She's going to be the next Betty White. <laughs> she has not aged a friggin' day. And it's been like 10 years. Yeah, just about 10 years. So and it's like, like wow. she looks exa- almost exactly the same. And the other guys are like, oh. The other guys look so old and haggard. <laughs> so like everyone knows why Jay Muse looks haggard. But Jesus, like the rest of these dudes. And, and more on them. Like I heard like um, the guy who plays Randall. Like he just did not want to be doing it for the longest time. So I guess yeah. Kevin was just able to like wear him down. Like I, I don't think it was. That's the thing. I don't think it was money that he wore him down with. It had to have been something else, because like, he's it was, always yeah. been the holdout. He's always been the holdout, and then I think he, he finally does it. So he I'm finally like, just must does, be yeah. something in there that he's like, "All right, I'll do it for you, buddy." Yeah, I don't think like I don't think it's money. I remember um actually where we were uh, recording the show before uh, at Grindhouse, Brim had mentioned something that the guy just just isn't always really interested in doing it uh much anymore but i guess like kevin just like i don't see kevin like berating someone not that i know him personally i don't see him like really like berating a guy to do it because i know he he loves the people he works with right. but i could see him just slowly like giving him like telling him ideas of like this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm thinking and maybe finally the guy wears down so we're almost out of time so i have a final thought in relation to that and it's going to be okay. a very Kevin Smithian uh, response. So I'm going to let you go with our final thought for this segment. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, Snoochy boochies. <laughs> and my final thought is this. In Kevin Smith's way, he probably wore him down in the most Kevin Smith way. <laughs> in the most Kevin. What would that be? <laughs> well, that's, if, you, if you know anything about Kevin Smith, <laughs> you can figure it out, kids. <laughs> oh, boy. He wore him down. <laughs> he wore him down. Slowly. Over a long period of time. <laughs> Good boy. He, so probably uses, he probably used his heart attack. <laughs> so that's it for the news. Uh, we'll be right back. I can't forget you. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or a product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. This month at Cosmic Comics in Needs of Bolden, get ready for the X-Men events Inferno and the Trial of Magneto and the new series I Am Batman from DC Comics and from the mind of writer Jeff Lemire, Primordial from Image Comics. Make sure to join our membership program where you can save 10% on every purchase. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 8, Thursday from 2 to 7, Saturday and Sunday from noon to 5. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin, located at 846 Merrick Road in Baldwin, New York. Call us at 516-763-1133. Thank you and stay safe. Hi, this is Sherilyn Fenn, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. 
Today we're going to talk about Rhode Island. Rhode Island, part of the summer end, right? Yeah, we uh, went to Rhode Island for vacation. Uh, where was it? Newport, Newport. Yeah. yeah, so we went to Newport, Rhode Island, where we were thinking of doing um, the mansions, right? Mm-hmm. Which ones do you remember? Uh, the Marble Mansion. Uh, yes, the Marble the House. One? The Marble House. Yeah, and okay. the other one was called The Breakers. Oh, yeah. And then we went to the garden thing. Oh, we went to a topiary, right. Yes, yeah. we went to the topiary. All right, so let's let's start with, like, the Breakers, which is pretty much the famous one, right, of Newport. Yeah, it's... Was it fun? What did you think? It was, it was extremely beautiful. It was extremely beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite room? Because this place is big. It's... Um, it's the grounds are like crazy. Mm. It's just the acreage. It's made by the Vanderbilts, right? Um, I mean, it's all beautiful, but I think I like the outside more than I do the inside, just because of how big it was and the view of it. And uh, well, it's funny because your brother was talking about how much the breakers cost, which I th- oh, think um, it well, was like eleven million, and now it's. Now it's like 150 million is worth. Yeah, or 150 like that. million, which is honestly, I was expecting it to be more. Yeah, you would like think so. a lot more. Well, the Marble House I think is worth 600 million. Yeah, but I think then it was. Hmm. Yeah, like I another forgot like 10 if that was yeah 10 million something like that. But it was a lot of fun. They had a cliff walk. You could see the ocean. Oh yeah, we went on that. That was really cool. I took a bunch of pictures. You took a bunch of yeah, a bunch of pictures. We were walking around. Um, I mean, can you believe how these people like lived? It's like it's insane. But let I, me tell you, and either of these mansions, I would not want to have lived there alone. Because like, imagine when it's dark out, and imagine if you were just like in the mansion by alone by yourself with all the baby sculptures. Wouldn't that be scary? All the the cupids or, or, uh, right, all those, um... uh, Wouldn't that be scary just to, like, imagine just walking... uh, Imagine if you sleepwalked in there. That would be pretty (laughs) crazy, you know? If you were a sleepwalker, I would... Yeah, you're just wandering around all these... Yeah, and you kind of, like... like, Yeah, I feel like if, um... You just woke up in the middle of the night, or if it was raining outside, or something, and you heard noises, you'd just be scared because of how big it is, and how you're the only person living in who knows how big. Yeah, of a mansion. I think the Marble House—they only live there six weeks a year. Yeah, which, in the summer, it's well. Anyway, it's amazing. Yeah, so we went there. We went to a topiary. That was fun. Um, you got to see a bunch of different. Well, actually, you you didn't feel well, so we actually kind of. So a part of it, and then I had to go get you some orange juice or some bananas. Remember? Yeah, oh, for the topiary garden. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my potassium was low or something. Yeah, so we went to go and and do that while everybody else was uh, walking around to see. Like uh, I think it was bugs. The topiaries were like made out of crickets and butterflies yeah, or whatever. And then like oh my. Flowers were really pretty. There weren't many because most of them were dead. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got um, there at the wrong time, I guess. But what else about Newport did you like? Because we oh, went to I loved going to town. Town was, I think, my favorite part. Town was your favorite. Part? Yeah. A lot of shopping. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, more or less, just this one store that I really liked. 
Mm -hmm. I got it? like three things. It was like Jason and Co. or something. Jason and Co. is your favorite yeah. place. All right, cool. <laughs> well, what about that ice cream place? Oh my God, there was a homemade ice cream place. <clears throat> and they made their own waffle, their own, like waffle cones. They made their own um, fudge, caramel apples. It was like. Yeah, there was a it's guy there amazing. just. Yeah, he was just making waffle cones the whole time. He was just and making like the, waffle cones. The four days that we were there, the same guy was doing the waffle cones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's the summer, right? It was jam packed. We tried to get to the Black Pearl restaurant for uh, Riley because he likes Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. But we couldn't get in. It was just so packed. It was crazy. Like, we had to. There was this. Oh, there was this one time we had to eat in alleyway. Oh, because right. Because there was. Uh, we couldn't find places to sit or anything. So we took. Dad, my dad and, like, my uncle took out pizza. And I got fish and chips with my uh, aunt and mom. Right. And you guys just, like, constantly. You couldn't find a place to sit. So you ate. Yeah, so we <laughs> ate in the alleyway. That Eating fish funny. and chips in an alleyway. That's hilarious. Well, anyway, that was pretty much like your trip, right? Yep. Uh, I'm <laughs> glad we just finished it in the alleyway. But uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Well, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye-bye. Hello, radio listeners. What are you thinking? We want to hear from you. What's working for you? What things would you like to hear more about? Write us your thoughts. Or you can buy us a pizza. Just go to our website www.itcamefromradio.com and click on the Buy Us a Pizza link. Leave your comment there. And we'll read them on video. Now, back to our show. This is Charlie Saladino and Jenny Feldy. We're at the legendary art show, okay, Mark? And uh, I just want to say we're at the booth of Tony Cordos. Incredible. Uh, incredible. He's an inker, legendary inker. He worked with Disney and Marvel. And uh, I got to tell you, I love inkers, and this work is incredible. Tony, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you guys doing? A little slice of heaven, I think, right? Sure. Yeah. So anyway, Tony, your work is so amazing. Tell us how you got started with this, how you got, how you got, yeah, from day one. Yeah, no. <laughs> Tony's shaking his head. Go, no, what? She's shaking her head. We're here with. It's many years ago. He has the gray hair. So start from the, the what is it, 1920s? <laughs> Tony, just, nice. just. I have gray hair, too. It was a compliment. I like wisdom. I don't like these young men. But maybe I do. <laughs> Tony, just tell us what Trisha wants you to tell us. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just puppet master here. Uh, how did I get into it? Uh, I got into it on, like, a, a dare, basically. Um, was at a Comic-Con years ago and was being cocky because that's what Italians do. We talk. And uh, so my uh, ex-wife at the time was... Uh, challenged me was like you know you talk a lot why don't you just prove that you could actually do this and i was like okay i'll do that and about a year and a half later i had my first job and yeah i decided that that was a lot easier and more fun than doing calculus at eight o'clock in the morning so i switched from engineering to comic book art Wow. And obviously it worked out. Yeah, yeah, major gigs. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good on it now. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Got to work with you know uh, Disney and DC. Did a Marvel project, a bunch of indie books and whatnot. So Dark Horse, yeah. And a couple couple of your drawings, I can see like an engineering type of style here. Yeah, everything. It's uh, it's all about you know putting everything together so it fits you know perfectly dramatically and. 
whatnot. You have to build the build the images to make sure that they they work properly. So tell us about your time with uh, Disney and uh, Marvel. Oh, so time with Disney. Um, I got to work on uh, doing a promotional posters for a new uh, exhibit that they were debuting um, a few years back. Uh, unfortunately, it's no longer there, but um, that was that was really cool to do. And with Marvel, I got to do the initial game release of Legendary. So beautiful. Jen is is looking over Tony's work, and Jen, what do you what do you find most uh, exceptional about it? Incredible, and this picture of the girl makes me definitely want to hit the gym after this. And I'm most interested in what's your most passionate, what are you most passionate about? Your favorite piece of artwork that you like the best? My favorite piece. Oh, that's difficult. That's, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, no, my, you know what? My Grim Reaper blowing a bubble is my favorite piece. I love him. And it was why? How come? There's a story to this piece here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what had happened was the Grim Reaper, in an, in an attempt to become more friendly to the younger generations, he just tried to just he decided to trade in his scythe for a bubble blower. So now he blows bubbles, and whenever these bubbles, if you see the other art, they pass over the living creatures and whatnot. If you look through the bubble, you get to see the death below it, which would be the skeleton underneath the creatures. So. And we're going to, uh, you're going to see these pictures on our Facebook page, but they're incredible. So um, how'd you come up with that? I have no idea. It's it just, it, an original concept. Yeah, it just, it came to me in a dream. <laughs> Well, that's how creative people get their creativeness. Yeah, I get my jokes. I wake up with jokes. So my craziest jokes I wake up with. There was in a dream or it's a first thought upon waking. I think the government, if government officials were just blow bubbles, perhaps more people would get vaccinated or flu shots or or, or, or pay attention. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> so anyway, what's coming up for you in this uh, in the future of inking? Uh, I am working on a webcomic right now called Outrage. You can see it on Webtoons. Um, I am also doing uh, some variant work for a book called Geiger, which is through Image. And, um, yeah, I'm just kind of doing some of my own stuff, like the, the Grim Reaper with the bubbles and um, my coffee is life and stuff like that. So. So, and how can people get in touch with you? How people see you? How? Wow! Sorry, rented lips. How can people see your work? Uh, they can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and my website is Tony Cordos Inking, T O N Y K O R D O S I N K I N G dot com. Beautiful, Tony. Thank you so much, Trish. Always, and the puppy. Oh, thank you. You got to see the beautiful dog, service dog they have with them. Oh my God, I'm in love. But anyway, anyway, yes, I digress. Guys, thank you so much. Thank And this is Charlie Saladino and Jenny Feldy signing off. We'll take it back to Mark now, right? See you later, Mark. <laughs> 
Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book this is Michael Bell, the voice of Duke from G.I. Joe, and I am here at Cradlecom, and I am with It Came From The Radio. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. This is Charlie Saladino. And Jenny Feldy. From It Came From The Radio. And we're here with the very talented Henry Martinez. He's an illustrator, a penciler. I love that penciler. It rolls right off. And storyboard artist, which Jen knows is very important in her film. I'm directing film tomorrow, and we I'm waiting for the storyboard. I need the storyboard. We can't film really without the storyboard. You can, but really, the storyboard makes everything go very smoothly. So I was talking before the show. So what types of companies and what types of storyboards do you do? We need them. The world needs them. Every commercial needs to be drawn first. So they hire the storyboard artist and that's what I do when I'm not doing comics. So I worked for Listerine, Zyrtec, a lot of pharmaceutical stuff. And uh, it's a great job. You draw, it winds up on TV and you can tell your friends and family. It's great. Yeah, you do what you love and you get paid for it. That's that's a classic happiness job. Uh, how did you get started and just what 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 happened one day you sat down with a pencil and and you became a, in in your talent oh, okay um, well I came out of my mom drawing it's like that from day one and uh, they were very encouraging you know they they would buy the cheap art supplies at Woolworths the watercolor brush thing and I just they let me go nuts and uh, fortunately I was able to attend the high school of art and design in Manhattan where I learned cartooning from professionals and I was lucky I went uh, started working for Neil Adams uh, continuity studios helping out and I learned a lot there and I went on to work at ad agencies and eventually I worked for Marvel Comics I try to do both at the same time but they're only a certain amount of hours in the day so uh, advertising is what pays the bills it helped uh, get a house so I'm very happy but things are slow now so I'm back to comics so you said you're making all this money and you bought a house, now where can we find your house? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> More importantly, actually very interesting. So storyboard is, you know, we sometimes pull things off the internet, we use photos and film, but the beauty of having someone who can draw so well, it helps the storyboard because, I'll let you answer. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff you just can't pull off the internet. You can Google tons of stuff, as you know, but there's certain angles you really can't find sometimes, and that's when they call a guy like me who can kind of twist camera angles and be more creative. 
that's how that works out. Like you were saying, there was a shot from below, some very interesting points of view and angles that you might not find on stock footage on the internet. Bird's eye views, for instance, you know, there's no picture of an ant's perspective looking up at a person, you know, crossing the lawn. I can draw that for you. So you kind of did the um, Citizen Kane version of the artwork, didn't you? Yeah, that's that's great. I'll take credit for that, sure. (laughs) Now, Jen, being um, in production as you are, um, tell everybody how important this man is to production. Well, we need. I was actually trying to explain the importance of storyboards to a friend of mine who's writing a book, and I said you really should have things outlined, and not only that, but storyboarded, and have the storyboard in mind when you're writing because you want this to turn into a film. And all people don't understand this. They write these books, and they don't have the story and the visuals in mind, and then they try to turn it into a movie. They have to rip things apart and rewrite it. But if you were to, you know, get in touch and get to know the work of Henry and other storyboard artists really well before you write things for the big screen or even for commercials, things would go a lot smoother. <laughs> like I told you earlier, it doesn't matter. You, yes, they need talented artists, but every director should at least be able to draw stick figures so you know where everyone's standing, you know, who's in the foreground, background, etc. And I'm shooting tomorrow, and I would like my storyboard now, because how am I going to direct something without a storyboard tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Call me. Better call Saul. (laughs) But anyway, I was going to say I worked for ABC, and I worked in the graphics department. And uh, I was in the ground floor of animation. But before there was any animation, there were storyboard artists and what we call manual artists that would draw the pictures and they put it on. You guys are so important. How can somebody get in touch with you, Henry? When the, uh, to see your beautiful artwork and, and your beautiful uh, face and your beautiful face. Oh, thank you so much. Um, this is a radio interview, so there's a card. No, I'm kidding. Um, I do have a website. It's. Uh, do you want to share, Henry? I would love to. Thank you so much. There's three W's before this, but uh, dragonbrushstudio.com. I love that. How'd you come up with that? Well, I, I love dragons. <laughs> I mean, that's basically it, and it, got, it gave me a chance to draw a dragon on my business card, which is uh, Did you ever, ever read that story, Where All the Dragons Go? No. They were all dragonflies now. No kidding. I will I'll look it up. Thank you. There you go. Henry, thank you so much. Your artwork is beautiful. I'm glad you got your uh, social media out there. Thank you so much for talking to us. Jen, any closing uh, thoughts for Henry? Just wonderful work and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Henry. This is Charlie Saladino and the lovely Jenny Feldy signing off. And back to you, Mark. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. I'm Nathan Booth from Ben and Apple TV, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. 
So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, tough. Go to www.camefromradio.com and listen to our archives. We'll be up in a week or so. Go to such places such as btdradio.com, indievolt.com, sci-fi.radio, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google It Came From the Radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to it came from the radio with mark torres the views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management owners or staff of the station we now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast <laughs>